Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. What's happening, Derek? Not much. I'm just uh, getting into the summer mode here and uh, and just planning stuff. Yeah. I've been doing a bunch of uh, yard work. Me too. Me too. Yeah? Yeah, I'm digging dirt in the backyard. We're cutting down trees. We're digging up Me roots. Too. <laughs> Our yard looks so much bigger right now. <laughs> We, yeah, you know what, we, we, a couple of our trees we have, you know, a couple of them are dead. We've just left the stumps in, mm-hmm. just been, you know, trying to get other stuff. Hoping they'd rot away. Yeah, and apparently that doesn't happen. <laughs> Takes too uh, long. But there's a couple other trees that they're all dead on the inside, like li- a couple lilac bushes and stuff okay. like that. Yeah. And so we decided, yeah, it's time for those to come down as we're mm-hmm. cutting them down. Um, like some of the, 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 the smaller pieces are just pulling straight out of the ground oh like i mean they're dead mm-hmm. and when you look there's actually the the, the, the root ball the yep. bottom where all those big stems come from yeah all spongy there, no there's like two giant splits hmm. so that's why i mean it's dead down there so it's all falling sideways mm-hmm. right as opposed to straight up so yeah yeah everything's dying on those two trees hmm. that were there so we said yeah no let's just take them out and when you start take when you take two apple trees and a two a couple lilac trees out of there, yeah. Plus the cherry yard. trees. Well, the cherry trees are still there. Oh, are they? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, even that half of the yard now, mm-hmm. it's massive. Even our neighbor going, you got a huge yard. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Once you get rid of all the trees, yeah, all the chaff. Yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're we're just doing that right now. We're doing a bunch of um, uh, stuff we've been wanting to do, yeah. but you know, we tend to put it off because it's like too much work. Mm-hmm. But it's got to be done, so we're we've been looking at that lately. Uh, Saturday, last Saturday, mm-hmm. Tom's Thompson, hundred hundred and sixth yes. anniversary of his death, of his death or the location of his body? Was it his? That was the death. Because the, didn't they really not know exactly when? He I died? don't think they. Well, they 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 figure it was that day because he was seen last on that day and found yeah. dead the next day or something like that. Oh, I thought it took a while to find him. I don't know, but they say that's the day he died. Mm-hmm. There you go. So he went out fishing and never returned. Mm-hmm. So they figure, well, that was the day. And there's a lot of speculation on the story, but suffice to there's say, there's a lot of conspiracy. I think that's one, where conspiracy one theorists thing, were invented. But there's one thing everybody agrees on. But he is dead. He is now dead. Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he could be hanging out with Elvis. Well, he was only, he was <laughs> only 39 when he died. Yeah. So that would put him at 145. It's possible. It is possible. Mm-hmm. Him and Elvis. Highly unlikely, but it is. Yeah. And a little old lady from some Chinese province we've never heard of. Because that's where they're always like, oh, <laughs> the oldest lady in the world. She's 143 oh, yes, yes, yes. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she comes from some province in China. Yeah. <laughs> Okie dokie. <laughs> like, like I'm going to prove that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> You're lying. Prove it. <laughs> okay, you got me. Yeah, yeah. I guess we'll have to go with it. <laughs> we'll go with it. Yeah. Tell her happy birthday from us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 106th anniversary of his uh, presumed death. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's all that conspiracy about whether it's actually him buried yes. in his casket. If he was murdered, if he was... Yeah. If it was an accident that he got his feet entangled in the fishing, the line. fishing line and fell yeah. over, or if somebody actually cracked him upside the head and he Tied pushed him, him over and yeah. and, yeah, pushed it. So, yeah, he couldn't swim in case yeah. he woke up yeah. halfway down the lake. Autopsy science wasn't very refined back then, nope. especially in the back country. And somebody said they saw the skull and it looked more like an indigenous person's skull. How they could tell, I don't know, oh. but yeah. Hmm. And then when they were carrying his casket, they said it was heavy as a box of rocks. Too heavy. Which, yeah, too heavy. Hmm. So there's all, and the family will not let his body be exhumed. Oh, yeah. They probably just don't want to be tied up in the, in the, Poo story. Well, you know what? I think there's enough. I can't see them making money off of it, but there's no. enough to keep the mystery going. Yeah, yeah. Did it? Did it happen? Yeah. How did he die? Is keep, it really him? Keep the mystery alive. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> or is he still buried up somewhere yeah. in on uh, Canoe Lake? The town Maybe. of Moat. Apparently, the little cemetery, there's some people who believe he's still buried there. Oh, yeah? Yep. Hmm. Mm-hmm. To cover up the murder. Yeah. We'll never know. 
conspiracy theorists. There's nothing to gain by exhuming and yada, yada, yada. It's just, sure pe- it's just people's curiosity. Yeah. It's always satisfying. Yeah. I can't believe somebody hasn't, like, stolen his body in the middle of the night. Dug uh, it up. Dug it up and took pictures and said, Aha! Box of rocks! Who was it? Charlie Chaplin. Somebody stole his body, right? Did they? And then when they reburied Chaplin because they got the body, I think it was Chaplin, they poured a giant concrete slab over us like he's in solid concrete. Huh. Come take that. Well, I know what was it, King Richard the Third or something? They like covered him with a parking garage. Well, yeah, he was <laughs> he was buried on the battlefield, and a town built up around him, and and some woman says figured she knew how to find him, and she did. They found his body in the parking lot. Yeah, he's under space number A fifty two. Go take that space up. Sorry, <laughs> sir, you've lost your parking spot. You know the king and all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I think he was reburied in Windsor Castle or something. In Windsor Castle or at? Under. 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 The they castle. zoom in the floor. Uh, yeah. The important people. I don't pay that much attention to it. All I hear is, <laughs> oh, look, in the news, somebody found yeah. a king. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lucky person. <laughs> Collectors and finders yeah. keepers. <laughs> Why haven't we found aliens yet? Right? <laughs> we can find a couple hundred year old kings in a parking garage. I know. Maybe that's not where aliens hang out. Maybe. They don't hang out in the parking garage. No. Casinos. <laughs> Antarctica. Yeah. Ooh, that could be it. That's mm-hmm. where they're all hanging out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Conspiracy theorists. Yeah. Unite. <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> so, remember, there are the Thermarest Neo Air Uber Light. I bought uh, Tracy for Christmas. It is a mummy version mm-hmm. of the Thermarest. She doesn't like the mummy version. She doesn't like mummy sleeping bags. She doesn't like mummy Thermarests and all that sort of stuff. I don't like mummy sleeping bags. I find them very constrictive and restrictive. Really? Yeah. Not me. I find them fine. But when you look at the package of this one, yeah. it's rectangle. Mm-hmm. But that's not what's in it. No, it's a mummy one. What about the picture? What's the picture show? What picture show? It's a diagram. Where? Well, if you look so on the other box there, there's a diagram shows what... Well, not on this it? one. Okay, so it didn't... Anyway, so this one's teeny tiny. It's it's, it, it's, it's smaller than a Nalgene like bottle. It's like a tall boy beer can. Right? Well, that's exactly it, man. Look at that. It's probably the same size. Almost. Right? So she doesn't like it, so I've got myself a new Thermarest. Thank you. <laughs> but I went out and bought her a Nemo Tensor Regular uh, Ultralight, which is about the size of a Nalgene bottle. It's a summer bag, so it doesn't have down filling or anything. It's just a... Well, summer Thermarest thing, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just a regular 3-inch thick, 13.8 ounce, 72 by 20 inch, 2.5 R value, 3 season. So Did it come with spring. a pump sack or did you have yep. to get this separate? No, nope. so. pump sack and everything. Now, there is another one, a wider one. That adds like five inches in width or something like that, but like that's really gonna. What about thickness though? Same deal. Everything's exactly the same. Well, it's ten inch, ten centimeters longer, mm-hmm. which is like five inches longer and five inches wider. I'm looking upgrading to a thicker Thermarest. Well, this is three inches. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got one of the the Thermarest. I can't remember what model, but it's like maybe an inch thick. Okay. So now I have a. Neo Air Uber Light, two and a half inch thick, uh, 8.8 ounce, or 250 grams, 2072, which is the exact same size as this, mm-hmm. 2.3 R value, and it looks like it's a spring, summer, oh, summer and spring, I guess, bag, not a fall bag, because it says it, gra- it goes gray, but it's definitely not a winter one, or uh, uh, air mattress. So, yeah, I'm looking at, uh, we're heading up nice. to Tomogamy next week. Yep. So, give this Nemo um, Tensor sleeping pad a nice. a whirl, and I will see how well this Neo, Thermarest Neo Air Uberlite, how comfortable that is for that extra inch and a half. <laughs> woot, woot. Yeah, the, uh, the one, I, I have a Nemo as well. It's, uh, I bought it in like, during COVID, so nothing was available. But uh, it's got a little foot pump built in. 
So it's a it's, there's two yeah. valves in it, and you just kind of stomp on it, and it pumps it up. So you don't have to fill it with your uh, hot humid breath when you right. pump up your thing. But you, it has the fill bag for yours, mm-hmm. which is good, but it's a bit more work to fill it with air. No, actually, it's not. No, you don't. No, it? you you open it up <clears throat> and you just sort of blow in, so it puffs out, and then you just wrinkle yeah. it. Yeah, nice. It's okay. So much faster than mm-hmm. just blowing it up with your breath. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and I, it, I never like blowing it up with my breath anyways, because you get the humidity and moisture from your breath inside the bag. Yeah. Right? Well, and, and you know, that's it. You, you, I, I usually throw my thermorest out in the sleeping bag when I put it up, mm-hmm. my tent up, and then I just let it sit there for a while. Cause they're supposed to self-inflate, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Uh, it'll only self-inflate to so far, and then you've got to finish, yeah. finish it. But yeah, you, you, when I come home, I always leave it open and the valve open so that... It can dry inside if possible. Yeah. Because, yeah, otherwise the moisture from your breast sits inside the thermarest and, uh, or the air mattress and, and just, it can go moldy and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it wears out prematurely. Yeah. So, yeah, this has got the, the fill bag that you just open it up and move yeah. it around a bit. It cl- opens up and collects and then you crimp the end and yeah. roll it down and it all fills up. And Nice. It's got the two-way valve system on it. There's one that doesn't allow air out but allows it in. Oh, yeah, yeah. Filling. And then yeah. there's a big one you pull, and it just mm-hmm. lets all the air out. Yeah. So. so, yeah, I'll give uh, those a whirl and Beauty. see how that one, uh, how comfy it is. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm getting older, apparently, and sleeping on the ground isn't <laughs> it's what not it used easy. to be. It's not <laughs> what it used to be, you know? But uh, I think that's about it. What else we got going tonight? Oh, did you hear about the World Junior and uh, the... Uh, under-23 Sprint Canoe Kayak Championships that I, were in Oronzo, Italy. I heard a little bit about it. Yeah, it happened there. It's a weird little oopsie. Well, Canada managed to have all its paddlers on the start line for the heats, but uh, the good part of Canada Day weekend, it looked like 32 Team Canada canoeists and kayakers might have to live out the time-worn phrase up the creek without a paddle. <laughs> now, they don't really... <clears throat> when, when you read the article, it's hard to s- see who's gotten blamed for it. Yeah. Apparently, they were very neutral, I think. Yeah. While the national team paddlers safely made it to Oronzo, seven long, colorful bags of paddles were left at the Toronto airport. Mm-hmm. So whether it was... Well, did they the, check their gear or did they... And that's where they don't... Get s- left sitting on tarmac. Well, see, and did, did we leave those outside? Uh, <laughs> did we not check those with oh, everything else? Yeah, or knows? did Air Canada not throw yeah. them on the plane with all their... Well, because their kayaks and stuff would be up there, Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So a uh, panic button sounded in both Italy and Canada as athletes wondered how they would get from the start line to the finish line, let alone think about world championship medals wow. <laughs> without paddles. <clears throat> Group of 32 Canadian athletes, including 11 juniors and under 23 paddlers from the Rideau Canoe Club, uh, after much concern and thinking the Rideau Canoe Club, ca- Canoe, Kayak Canada, and Air Canada worked together, along with traveling parents and coaches to bring the various paddles into the Alps and allow the young Canadian athletes to experience their worlds. Nice. Aranzo is located about two hours north of Venice and about four hours south of Munich, Germany. Uh, There was no direct flight from Venice to Toronto, but there was a group of parents and coaches traveling on a late afternoon flight to Munich. They agreed to pick up the paddles and deliver them to the championship site on Tuesday. So this was like last week? So the race yeah. has already happened? Yeah, so they, it already happened. This sort of came out and said, hey, guess what happened? Uh, yeah, so Air Canada employees in Toronto, Ottawa, and Munich banded together with the Canoe Kayaks Canada staff to load the wrapped bundles of paddles on board the flight to Munich. By early Tuesday morning, the paddles reached their first destination. Hmm. Could you imagine that? All right, let's go for practice run. Yeah, about that. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be the guy to raise his hand and say, yeah, but I'm going to be that guy to say, oops. I imagine if it push come to shove, some of the other teams would have uh, loaned paddles out. 
You usually see stuff like you that. You think so. On, something on like a, this. On a world stage like that, you usually see... I've, I've heard it happen in Canada where the Canadian teams have gotten together to get stuff for the for visiting others. teams. Yeah. And, it ha- you know, when, when it's all good sportsmanship and stuff like yeah. that, everybody works. Yeah. You, you know, Nobody wants to win that way. No, you know, and that's exactly... I wouldn't want to win that way. Mm-hmm. I'd be happy to win, but not that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, weather Watch. 53 million... People or homes under a flood watch from northeast to North Carolina. So, like New York State and all that, down to North Carolina. I've been seeing a lot of news stories, and there's, there's so much flooding already occurring right? all, all through New York State. It's uh, and Quebec is like on watch too. And there's there's already communities in Quebec near Quebec City and stuff that are already evacuating. Like they're wow. just getting a massive amounts of rain. Before the rain started falling, 60% of the northeast was facing either dry or drought conditions. Mm-hmm. Now they're facing floods. Yeah. But, I mean, all the rain is great for the farmers. And for the forest fires. hmm High water levels for paddlers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Spring flood conditions. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, a lot of flood watches and, and warnings in effect right now. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it doesn't get too bad. Yeah, I haven't seen like it, the weather must have just traveled below us. Well, everything yeah. mostly goes from uh, the southwest to the northeast. That's the trend for most of the storms and weather. So uh, it just must have passed below us through Vermont, New York State, Quebec. Yeah, yeah. You know, some of the places you know, oh, we were getting two inches of rain. Some of them we were getting up to five inches of rain. Really doesn't sound like that much. Mm-hmm. But I guess it accumulates. Yeah, when it accumulates, yeah, yeah it, it really does. So, but then you get out, you go out west. And they're getting nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's all just these dry. If it was just only some way to like even it, even out. it out. I know. Just even I out. know. Like what? what uh, Alberta just had snow just over a week ago. Did they? They got laid just land based with snow, and they're actually the Alberta government's working with whomever to see. They're looking into mitigation methods for hail because when they get hail, they get baseball sized mm-hmm. chunks of hail, and so they're trying to figure out. I don't know what they're trying to figure out. I didn't fully read the article. I read the title and I started reading the body, but then something came up and it's like, are they planning some weather control stuff? Like, what are they planning here? I remember camping in the Rockies one year when we lived out in Alberta Mm -hmm. and we got snow in July. Oh yeah. We were camping and and it snowed. What's going on? We have, (laughs) my my parents still have family pictures in one of our albums at home of us in the Rockies in the middle of summer having a snowball fight. <laughs> it was awesome. Great times. Yeah. You know, but... Unexpected. Unexpected. Uh, Michigan. We've been there. Yeah. So, of course, you know, you got Michigan, you got the Great Lakes and that, everything there. So much shoreline there uh, that you can use to escape from the everyday flavor. Islands are natural destinations for some summertime paddling adventures. There's a handful of Michigan islands that are actually part of water trails down there. Ah. Or I guess across there. Mm-hmm. They're not really down from us. Uh, which makes them ready to host memorable trips that can last from several hours to several days. Now, according to Michigan Water Trails, uh, designated water trails can make planning paddling trips easier by connecting multiple access points, highlighting points of interest, and including amenities such as restaurants, hotels, and campgrounds. Hmm. Michigan Water Trails is a resource for Michigan's 3,000 miles of water trails. Uh, MichiganWaterTrails.org. So you go there and you can find a ton of information on these um, water trails that you can hit. Now, several Michigan islands can be explored as segments along the water trail. So you don't have to do the whole trail. You can do bits Mm -hmm. and pieces. Um, Some of the islands actually have entire water trails themselves. Now, this article I was reading says the Great Lakes can be challenging, notoriously unpredictable, which we know. So island water trails with open water segments and lengthy shoreline stretches are best suited for experienced kayakers with the appropriate equipment. This means longer, more agile touring kayaks. Small recreational kayaks are made for calm island lakes and flat water rivers. So if you're going to be paddling on the island, and some of these islands have lakes and stuff uh, on their trails, and that's fine. But if you're doing big circumnavigation, um, the little wreck sit on tops are not your best bet. 
If you're less experienced and would like to paddle beyond the island's sheltered bays or harbors, think about a guided tour. So there's a few islands they talk about here. Uh, and I, the minute I see this name, I always think Allen. <laughs> Drummond, Drummond Island. Island. This island is off the eastern shore of the Upper Peninsula and is a paddling paradise. 150 miles of coast to explore. Beginners can explore Drummond's sheltered bays, while advanced paddlers may consider the Drummond Island Water Trail, a four- to five-day rustic camping adventure that circumnavigates the island's perimeter. Because uh, what's, I mean, that's like Phillip Island, uh, Philip Edward Island here yes. up on Georgia yeah. Bay, right? A lot of people do that sort of thing. Uh, Beaver Island. Get a taste of the natural beauty and history that awaits on Beaver Island, the largest island in Lake Michigan, a 42-mile Beaver Island water trail that traces the island's perimeter. Again, this trail is geared more towards experienced paddlers. Novices are encouraged to stick to the island's harbor and inland lakes. Isle Royale. Um, John's been to this one. John Van Berger's been to this one, right? Yeah. Isle Royale. Remote National Park on Lake Superior consists of an entire island archipelago where the paddling options include epic multi-night adventures. Isle Royale National Park Water Trail covers more than 160 miles of rugged wilderness shoreline, top-notch wildlife watching. Park is home to moose and a population of gray wolves. But that's not a guarantee you'll see them. No. They're there. Yeah. You won't. No one's guaranteeing you're going to see them. So don't get upset if you go there and expect and don't see. Belle Isle. For centuries, people have paddled the quiet canals and inland lakes of this island in the Detroit River, where wildlife like bald eagles and beavers can still be spotted. These days, Belle Isle also happens to be part of a seven-mile segment of the Detroit Heritage River Water Trail, which offers a view of the Detroit skyline and passing freighters. Just don't get too close to the freighters. <laughs> yes, don't get run over. Mm-hmm. Grand Island, just a half mile off uh, Munising shoreline. Grand Island is a landmark on the Hiawatha Water Trail, which stretches for 120 miles along Lake Superior's southern shoreline. Grand Island is operated as a national recreation area with hardwood forests, non-motorized rustic trails, and sandstone cliffs that echo those at nearby Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore, which is another great area for, for paddling. And last but not least, Les Chineau Islands and Mackinac Island. Mackinac. Uh, is it Mackinac or Mackinac? I don't know. Yeah, we I remember when we did the five Great Lakes, yeah. we, we had a lot of debate on how to pronounce it. Yeah, it's Mackinac. Yeah? Yep. These islands' destinations are found along the Lake Huron North Shore Water Trail and all those spectacular shorelines that are perfect for exploring via kayak. So a lot of kayaking stuff. Mm-hmm. All kayaking. But all Michigan's islands. Yeah. Right? So if you're down in Michigan or heading that way, yeah. check some of these out. I mean, you get some of these big uh, water, like 160-mile water trail, 120-mile water trail. It's a lot of touring. It's a lot of opportunity. 150-mile. Yeah. yeah. You so spend a lifetime and not see it all. Right? That's that's some good paddling. Mm-hmm. So and especially if you live down there. Head out to Drummond Island and paddle for 150 miles. <laughs> yeah, just keep on going. I came across a, a thing now. It, did, it didn't have anything to do with paddling, so I didn't really mention it. But this, it sort of ties in with this. But uh, so remember the uh, Ice Age Trail that John? Yeah, he was supposed to do, but he was supposed uh, to do with issues. COVID hit. And yeah, everything else hit. So there's Newfoundland is creating an iceberg trail. It's in the northeast corner of Newfoundland, and uh, they. Because of the exposure, this is like the east coast, the east, mm-hmm. east, east of Canada. So it's uh, it's pretty harsh out there. You get the North Sea. So they, they couldn't make it into a water trail, which I thought would be neat, yeah. but it's not sheltered. It's very exposed. So, But you're walking cliffs for the hike, and it's called the Iceberg Trail. So it's massive Does that trail. go along Iceberg Alley? Yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So That'd it's, be cool uh, to see, though. It would be, very much so. Yeah. I'd be very wary of making that into a... A water, water trail. You couldn't do it. It's too exposed, too dangerous. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's smart on the rehab. Yes, <laughs> unless you're doing it in a boat or in a fjord. If you you could make you could make the uh, trails safe in a fjord. Yeah, but not out exposed to the the North Sea, North Atlantic and stuff. No, not for but the. I, I just it tied in because it was it, water it, trails. Yeah, the water trails. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool to see all that. I mean, you see, you see pictures that uh, of people out there watching the icebergs yeah, go by. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. You see somebody's house, and so you look past their house, and it's like, oh look, there's what an is iceberg. That? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fascinating. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember episode one hundred and sixty-five? Oh yeah, clearly it's clear, clear as, well. as yeah. day. <laughs> we talked about Marcus uh, Pukinen. Okay. Uh, Roots of Change. July 2015. Marcus left Toronto to go around the world Mm -hmm. without the use of motorized vehicles. He used a pogo stick. He paddled canoes, kayaks, stand-up paddle boards. He cycled. He walked. He sailed. Um, And then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And he was in India at the time. He got stranded in so a little got, village. Yeah, yeah, so he got stranded a bit and, uh, yeah, everything sort of waylaid him and, and whatnot and everything sort of changed. I mean, he was supposed to just go around the world and be done with it. Over 73,000 kilometers, he has, this week, he has made it back home to Toronto. On today. He was oh, yeah? finishing today. Because he, he crossed the border Tuesday. on July 2nd, he yeah. crossed the border. Yeah, Tuesday, July 11th. Okay. Apparently, he was doing the last 20 kilometers to, uh, oh, what was the beach? Balmy Beach or something. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah, he was, he was doing the last 20-kilometer walk to the beach and uh, finishing it all up. And, yeah, eight years. <laughs> <laughs> Visited many countries, immersed in many cultures. That would be fascinating. Getting yeah, the getting stuck far from home when COVID struck, that had to suck right off the bat. Or it could be very interesting. Well, it definitely was. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he once he started figuring things out, but he does say that he was actually stuck in a village that was a lot more social than it should have been. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, he's back home now, and eight years later. He didn't ride anything. Like he wouldn't even take an elevator, escalator, yeah. anything. It had to have absolutely no power hmm. to yeah. it. Uh, he bought a sailboat at one point or two points and yeah. sailed, <clears throat> you know, down through <laughs> Africa and, st- you know, through there and across to, did it go to South America or Central America or something like that? And then back up and... Um, just think, he's, he's been, took him longer. But mm-hmm. he's been doing this longer than we've been doing the podcast. He was... Because we mentioned him before. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, episode 165. Mm-hmm. But he was, I think, 33 or something. And now he's 80. And now he's 145. <laughs> and he <laughs> hangs out with Tom Thompson. And, and Elvis. Elvis. <laughs> and that lady from China. <laughs> um. Yeah, so he's like, he was in his early 30s when he left, mm-hmm. and now he's like 40, 41, yeah. something like that, right? I wonder how that pension uh, thing is working out yeah. for him. Yeah. You know what? And and this, this and I know it annoys a lot of people, but he, he there was an article about him doing this. And we've, we've mentioned things like this before, um, like people just deserve a good smack. <laughs> Everybody, what they were concerned about was... Well, how'd he pay for this? Must be nice to be able to afford this kind of thing. I think he lived hand to mouth. He lived, yeah, he was living on handouts and Mm -hmm. it wasn't supposed to last eight years, people. If you do a bit of research and found out about it, you'd be able to answer your question instead of just pointing fingers and making stupid guesses. Yeah, he's not a self-made millionaire or anything. He's As far as we know. As far as we know. But I want to know, how did he afford this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he didn't take any, he didn't pay for travel. Right. He walked everywhere or biked yeah. everywhere. He would, he would trade things or buy a, a cheap bike, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I don't know how he managed to buy a sailboat. I don't really care. Well, you know, you sometimes know? things are cheap to get if somebody just yeah. wants to get rid of it. Yeah. I had a sailboat in my backyard that sat there for years. I would have given it to him. See? Why don't you sail it over? Fix it up. <laughs> sail it over for him. That's so chopped up. It's a dump yeah. now. 
Anyway, uh, rootsofchange.org if you want more information. You can check out his Facebook page for he's, – he's been doing a bunch of uh, up-to-date videos and stuff like that. You know, hey, I'm back in Toronto, and hey, I crossed the bridge in Niagara Falls. And uh, I guess he got, the border guard was, so where you been? <laughs> well, here's what I've been doing. The border guard looks at him. Right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. he didn't think he was going to get in for a minute, and then I guess the, the border guard said, okay, head on through, and then he uh, – Well, his yeah. passport must have expired. I would well, I would have think he would have went to a Canadian embassy at some yeah, point. Yeah, he would have to done something hey, to renew here's stuff. here's the deal. I was only supposed to be gone for <clears> a year, <throat> but, you know, COVID yeah. And, yeah. and whatnot, but uh, – <laughs> The places he must have been paddling too would be pretty cool. I know. Like, there's a lot yeah. of spots, like yeah. a lot of pictures of him where he's paddling, mm-hmm. and then he looks like some really <laughs> cool spots to to paddle. Yeah. So anyway, go to roots. He's fascinating. Yeah, roots he's gonna have to of, write a book now. Uh, he's doing a. I think he's putting together a documentary yeah. film or something. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Rootsofchange.org for more information and and whatnot. Check it out. I think we talked about something like this, but someone somewhere else. Wandering Waters Paddle Quest. Uh, this summer is a perfect time to get out and experience one of Virginia State Parks. Outdoor enthusiasts will want to make note of a new program this year. Wandering Waters Paddle Quest, a self-paced program being offered at 31 park facilities. In the New River Valley area, Clater Lake, New River Trail, and Hungry Mother are all participating in the Paddle Quest program. In Central Virginia, James River, Pocahontas, Powhatan, Bear Creek Lake, Twin Lakes, and Holiday Lake are all taking part in the program. Visitors can explore waterways through a mixture of ranger-guided programs and self-led adventures and can use park rental equipment or personal gear, including canoes, kayaks, stand-up paddle boards, or paddle boats. To earn rewards, visitors must create an account at the State Park Adventure System and log each outing. Hmm. Prizes will be awarded in increments. Paddle at five parks and earn a sticker. Woo! Yeah, baby! <laughs> Start the car! I'm in! <laughs> Paddle at 10 parks and earn a patch. Paddle at 20 parks, earn a mesh gear bag. Now we're getting to it. Anyone who can complete the challenge and paddle at all 31 participating parks earns a cell phone dry bag and a certificate. Low budget. You know what? It's more just the... It's participation. The people are going to say, oh, you know what? That sounds pretty yeah, cool. Let's go yeah. paddle a couple places. Mm-hmm. It gets people out there. Yeah. And, and that, I think that's at the perfect. end of it, that's yeah. that's what it is. Get people out to the state parks. Get them paddling. Yeah. Ah, not in the mood to paddle. But you know what? When we were there last, <laughs> there's some pretty cool walking trails. Mm-hmm. Let's go back and check out some walking trails. Mm-hmm. So it's getting the people out there anyway, right? And that's I think that's the whole, whole thing. I mean, we joke about, woo, sticker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, but it's something. But you know what? From my days when I went to college working nights at a gas bar. Oh. Those were the days when like Texaco and S and all that. Free cup. 25 liters of gas and you get a free cup or yeah. a free screwdriver mm-hmm. or, or whatever. You got 23 liters. Yeah, well, I can't fit 25 liters. Well, it's supposed to be 25 liters. And they would go absolutely. Yeah. I want my free cup. Over a free cup or a free cheap plastic cup or a screwdriver. But I got 50 liters. I should get two. Yeah, well, the rules say one per customer. I don't care what the rules say. I should get two screwdrivers. Well, you should have filled up your tank twice. Fill it up to 25 liters. Liters. And we would have people do that. Yeah. So, yeah, for a free sticker, never underestimate what people will do (laughs) Do for for a free something. (laughs) Right? (laughs) <laughs> free piece of gum, I'm in. <laughs> but it's been chewed. Don't care. It's free. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> it's less work my jaw has to do. <laughs> I'm getting on board this this free train. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's getting people out there, right? Uh, Virginia State Parks is proud to provide another great avenue for visitors to experience the rich diversity of the state parks system, said State Parks Director Melissa Baker. In a news release about Paddle Quest, from rivers to lakes to the Chesapeake Bay, Virginians can experience a wide range of paddle experiences at Virginia State Parks. 
So yeah, it, it's all uh, get out here, mm-hmm. check out what's to offer. And, nice. You know, no matter where you are in the state, there's there's somewhere close that you can get to. Officials recommend checking the Know Before You Go section on each park page before visiting to confirm operating hours, water and weather conditions, and other information. For more details about Wandering Waters Paddle Quest, uh, dcr.virginia.gov backslash state parks backslash paddle quest. Or just Google Wandering, wandering Waters <laughs> Paddle Quest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just what? Yeah. We'll probably post a. A link to this. It's but. easier if you, you go for the words. Google's pretty good. Google. Google's my hero, especially mm-hmm. Google Maps. Oh, Google Maps, you're my friend. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you're down in Virginia or around Virginia, go get your, And I want to see any listeners that get a sticker or a patch or a mesh Send us bag. a picture. Send us a picture with these stickers. <laughs> are, or do it twice and send us one of your stickers. Yes. There you go. See? You send me a sticker, I'll send you a sticker. Oh, yeah. Right? Sticker trade. Sticker trade. You send us a we'll sticker send a from... Paddling Adventures radio sticker. And we'll send you a couple of Paddling Adventures radio stickers in <laughs> in exchange for a five-part sticker. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Anyway, remember that five-part? And then we're going to fight over it. So you better send us two. Yeah, yeah. So do ten parts and get two stickers. <laughs> we'll have a cage match over a sticker. Yeah, Derek's not here tonight because I beat him up for the sticker. <laughs> you, I win. You think you would yeah. win. <laughs> I got a dog. <laughs> uh, we talked about this one in episode 366, mm-hmm. end of February. The yes. Bay of Fundy Sea Kayak Symposium. A little bit of an update. Uh, September 29th to October 1st in Lower Argyle, Nova Scotia. Uh, you do have to have... Is it your, ca- your, Canada, Paddle kayak. Canada Level 1... Kayak. Ki- uh, sea kayak? Sea kayak. Open yeah. water kayak. Whatever. Yeah. Water kayak? Open water. Is there another type of kayak? No, open <laughs> water kayak. So you're, you're I not thought talking... you just said water kayak. No, open water. <laughs> so you're talking o- open ocean yeah. type thing, right? Yep. Uh, they've only got about 25 spots left. So if you're thinking about booking, you might want to... Jump yes. on that. Yeah. This is so interesting. Like, I remember us talking about it back then, and it's like, oh, man, I wish. Mm-hmm. Because we, I remember mentioning to you, it's like, we should do a road trip. We should go to this. Get our level one and go down, and, and you have a kayak, but I'd have to rent one. And we could t- participate in this thing in September. And it's like, it's still it's still on my mind. It's like, I saw that thing on uh, Instagram, his post, yeah. and it's like, oh, man, that thing, I forgot about that. Yeah. Very interesting. See, and this is why I kind of wish that Quebec would have left Canada. It'd be a shorter trip. It would have been, because the East Coast would have been much closer. I know, I know. If Quebec left, the East Coast would have been closer. Yeah, I know. You could save an entire day of travel. See? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody out there is listening and think, hey, oh no, wait a minute. So, yeah, September 29th, October 1st, uh, Chris Lockyer, he's the one that uh, mm-hmm. looks after it all, organizes it. Uh, Lower Argyle, Nova Scotia. Uh, you'd have to drive or take the ferry from St. Mm-hmm. John. Is John or John's? New so, St. John's with the S is on Newfoundland and St. John. So, S-T, John's apostrophe S, or just S, is in Newfoundland and the St, S-A-I-N-T, John, is in New Brunswick. Yeah, so there's a ferry that goes across to Nova Scotia from Mm -hmm. New Brunswick. Yep. Check it out. Go there. Mm -hmm. Do it. Do it! They have fun DC kayak symposium update. (sighs) And if you go there and you go, tell them Sean and Derek from Paddling Adventures Radio sent you. And you can tell them you're a foreign correspondent for 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 this... uh, Horse and Hound. <laughs> I write for Arson Hound. <laughs> Any Notting Hill fans out there? Uh, another one, if you want to try it out, if you're into the Mississippi. Yep. M I S S I S S I P P I I P P I S S I S S I M. Floatzilla 2023, the largest paddle event in the Mississippi, held annually in the Quad Cities region. That's like. Iowa, the corner of Iowa and Illinois. Mm-hmm. Floatzilla brings together paddling enthusiasts from all over the country for a day of fun and adventure on the Mississippi River. With over a thousand participants and the river closed down to the other watercraft, Floatzilla offers a unique opportunity to explore the area's natural beauty. Whether you're an experienced paddler or just starting, 
There's something for everyone at Floatzilla. And after a day on the water, the fun doesn't stop. Join us for our post-paddle event featuring live music and food vendors where you can relax and connect with other paddling enthusiasts. This year, Floatzilla hopes to break the world record for largest raft of canoes and kayaks with 3,151. So they're hoping for that number, but they have 1,000 participants. Well, they're hoping to triple that. Yeah, they're hoping for more. Could you imagine? That's... Yeah, I'll meet you over by the tree. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's in a massive amount of people. Just think of the logistics of try, just trying to go get lunch, right? Right. It's just or or trying. Uh, to, I'm just going to pack a lunch <laughs> or camping or and, at the, trying to get at the put in three thousand right? a lineup of three thousand people trying to put their boats in the water. Yikes. Well, they have a whole bunch of different locations to yes. to, to put in. So right? you, you'd have to strategically plan. It's a, I guess it really depends. Yeah. Like if you if you're in town, obviously you just trundle down to your local put in. But uh, if you're from out of town, then you're gonna stay in one of the four corners there and four cities and and try and find a put in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just a massive amount of people, and to raft up that many canoes and kayaks, that 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 would be an incredible sight to see. You know who I don't want to be? <laughs> the guy that has to count. <laughs> And then somebody disturbs him. Yeah. I have oh, to pee. I was at <laughs> 2,316 and I lost count. <laughs> All right. One. Two. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. They'll get a few drone shots and count by. Uh, oh, photo. I would think there would be uh, photo drones. Counts. Drones aplenty. <clears throat> but that'd be, that'd be something. It'd be incredible to see. 3,151 canoes and kayaks. Mm-hmm. Wow. It'd be kind of kind of scary too being surrounded by that many boats what if you were the one guy in a giant inflatable loon <laughs> i know where you are <laughs> i ain't getting squished uh for more information go to floatzillaqc.org um this is in august yes there's lots yeah. of time to plan yeah Hmm. Put your planning hat on. Right? Floats of 3,151 people. Or boats. How'd they come up with that number? Oh. Oh, they're breaking the world record, so they need that number to break the world record. There we go. But you got to think that they... Yeah, I don't know what the world record was, but so you got to think they're trying to break it. Clearly, it's 3,150. You think they're only going to break it by one? Well, they're hoping to at least break it by one. Hmm. Yeah, it kind of seems like a kind of an odd number, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Or if it's a 31, they're just thinking 50 in extra boat. And then plus one just to be safe <laughs> for good measure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, check it out. Go to floatzillaqc.org and, yeah, make a plan to go and help them out. Going to make some for some really cool photos. Right? Like, we're going to see a lot of that, you know, what, is this is August? It's in August, right? I am, yeah, you know, something just hit me here when you said I got a pee. Could you imagine being in the middle of all that? <laughs> Start waving. You're standing up and saying, me, dude, you better give me space. Let me through, I got a pee. I'm bringing an Nalgene bottle. What are you wearing in your kayak? Nothing. <laughs> yeah, yikes. Look at the face on that guy. Why does he look content? Ow! <laughs> Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get ashore. This one is pretty interesting. It is. So this is, you're talking about changing industries. So you're talking about a family. So when you talk about doing something generationally and then you have to go switch because of whatever business or whatever you're in is now folding. And now you're going to create an entire new family run business. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Increasing number of workers in once profitable in the mining industry, the coal mining industry, now employed in tourism in a stunning corner of Appalachia. Appalachia. So Rick Johnson's introduction to the world of coal began as a teenager more than 40 years ago in rural West Virginia. Decade and a half, he worked for extraction and chemical production companies across Appalachia. 
Let's just smash a glass into the <laughs> microphone there, Derek. <laughs> I didn't Derek's destroying the, the place. I didn't think the sound would translate that much. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, I was fed on coal, he said recently. After his work, uh, his work kept him away from home for long periods. By the mid-1990s, he and his wife, Heather, saw another major resource staring them in the face. The region's natural beauty. As the once profitable coal mining and extraction industry suffered a downturn, leading uh, leading company after company to board up, the Johnsons decided to buy a rafting business in Oak Hill, West Virginia. We built a ca- uh, campground, put in some showers, ran running water, and it was a way to stay in West Virginia and make a living. Today, Johnson employs 110 people at River Expeditions, a company that takes people on guided rafting trips down the whitewater rapids of the Gauley and New Rivers. Uh, the New River is the one, the New River Gorge has that big bridge and everything, oh, right? yes. And that yes. was the one that was just uh, designated the new um, uh, National Park and Preserve. Yeah. Uh their sprawling resort also has zip lining, horse riding, and cabins, serving it as an important source of jobs for locals in a region grappling with high unemployment. Because, I mean, when they're trying to fade out coal burning yeah. and everything like that, right? Like, what are, what are their people going to do? And this is what they've done. This is what you're saying. Like, you know, yeah, it's it was generational. It's hard for people to stay in West Virginia and make a living. There's not, just not that much to offer. I wanted to see this area grow to where kids didn't have to leave here to get a job. And his experience reflects that of many in recent years in southern West Virginia, a state of about 1.8 million people, number of jobs in the state energy sector from about 30,000 in the 90s to roughly 12,000 now. Locals who once worked in mining or ancillary industries are now employed by a growing number of tourism businesses in this corner of Appalachia. 2021, 1.7 million visitors to the New River National Park spent about 82 million in that's, local communities. That's, that's pretty huge, big, right? Number of jobs <clears throat> in the region rose from one uh, rose to 1,090 in 2021, compared to the annual average of 705 over the previous nine years. It's growing, right? Among those to adjust to the change is Aaron Beam. Like many West Virginians, coal runs in the 30-year-old Beam's blood. My uncle and grandfather worked in coal. I spent a summer working I spent a summer working in the mine myself. The main goal for Beam, a Summersville resident who wanted to find a job that kept him close to his family, that prompted him to get degrees in mining, engineering, and geology when coming out of high school 12 years ago. But after several years working on uh, permitting and design projects in the coal industry, he said he felt trapped. I kept thinking to myself, if this job goes away, what am I going to do? The coal industry goes in and out of production and people get laid off all the time. It's hard to work in an industry like that. It would be because you don't know what what the future holds because right? it, any turn in the industry, any turn in, in like, well, for example, uh, <clears throat> Provincial Governor of Ontario, what is it, uh, in 2010 or something, they said, we're phasing out all coal. Mm-hmm. So that would have got rid of a lot of jobs right then and there. And that feed of coal from either from New Brunswick or from Virginia or from wherever would have just stopped. That would have been yep. millions of tons of coal. That would have been a lot of all those jobs. So just on the on the whim of a politician, it's like things are changing. And for him, he's like, you know what? I have to plan ahead. Mm-hmm. And he did. The uncertainty prompted him to shift gears, and today he works as an accountant at Adventures on the Gorge, uh, an outdoor adventure resort situated a short distance from the picturesque New River Gorge Bridge. His office is situated about 100 feet from the New River Gorge, which is uh, was redesignated as a national park and preserve in 2020. How can you beat that, right, he says, nodding towards the vast forested canyon spanning out into the distance. My job is confined to my office, but it's really nice to step outside and go for a walk and see the bridge. It's just beautiful. It's huge, too. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Uh, these cha- these changes mark a stark departure from the region's history. At its most prof- prosperous a century ago, 
Fayette County and surrounding areas were home to tens of thousands of acres of iron and coal mines, employing thousands of people, many of who were immigrant miners from Europe, including Britain. Recent decades, mining activity in West Virginia declined significantly as energy providers moved to cleaner resources. McDowell County, once a mining powerhouse south of Fayette, had a population in the 50s of about 100,000 people. Now it's home to fewer than 20,000. State as a whole is believed to have experienced a net loss of 6,000 direct mining jobs since 2010. That's That's a lot of jobs. Mm Mm-hmm. And a uh, trend which seems to set to continue for years. Still, the shift from extraction to tourism hasn't been linear. Work in the outdoor industry is seasonal. That would meaning be the problem. It's, yeah, it's not always a reliable source of employment for locals hired directly or indirectly into the industry. So, yeah, that is a, a bit of an issue. And, so. and that's where you have to be creative when, you, when you're creating these tours of opportunities. Like you see, a lot of, uh, you see a lot of successful businesses where they create a four-season type mm-hmm. playground for families to come visit. Yep. So in the winter, you get the ski hill. And, the, you know, in, in the summer, you get golfing and downhill, uh, downhill uh, cycling and, and so on, right? So it's, it, it's, what they need to do is they need to expand the tourism to branch into the winter season. Right. So even though tourism and recreation have been growing in southern West Virginia, they don't always pay as much as the mines, and they, and they don't employ as many people either, mm-hmm. right? Which is, uh, there's also the family history. Coal mining is generational. It's not just a job. It's a family tradition, a family heritage. And like like the one guy was saying, my grandfather, my father. My uncle, you know, my grandfather. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Nor is the link with mining completely broken today. Last June, an Indian company that makes mining equipment announced it would move its headquarters to Fayette, promising to bring with it dozens of jobs. Local media hailed the move as momentous, despite scientists' knowledge that coal mining industry has contributed to climate change. I think there'll still be... There's still something for coal long mm-hmm. into the future. If it's there, it's it's going to be a useful resource. I think it's something they'll wean down on. They will, right? And and with with anything as technology advances, you're able to create a cleaner way of burning some of these fossil fuels. And not that I'm a proponent of fossil fuels, but you know, if you can clean it up and and cut down on your your carbon emissions and stuff, then then maybe there is a smaller future, mm-hmm. a cleaner future where it's going to cost more because you're going to have to have filters and bags, collect all the particulate and whatever. Yeah. They do say, though, the number of people hitting local rivers for whitewater activities is way down from decades past. 20 years ago, about 250,000 people rafted the New and Gauley rivers in a year. Today, roughly 100,000 do. That's 150,000 people less. Those numbers have rebounded since COVID uh, pandemic. People don't know we've got two of the top 10 rafting rivers in the world in West Virginia, and the future looks bright. So it's it's rebounding, and I think tourism is probably a good way to yeah to and, go. And as these things go in waves too, right? So people, you know, there's a, you know, there's a wave of people who are interested in this kind of thing, and it it there's an ebb and flow. And COVID would have, you know, people all over people became interested in the outdoors following COVID, right? And so mm-hmm. that's going to be a rebound, and then you know, in a decade maybe there'd be a shrink again. But it's just, it just comes and goes. Well, they say with the new national park status as well. Yes, that's attracting more yeah, people on the to new the region. River, yeah. And yeah. tourism is the only thing we've ever had in central Appalachia that the resource renews itself every day and the money stays here. That's what's so beautiful about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, like like if things are going the way of the dodo in, in the like coal say, industry, with, with coal industry yeah. or, or other things, and if you can make the switch and make it work for you. Go on down and to West Virginia and do some rafting. Yes. Right? <laughs> well, they do the kayaking down there through there as well, not just yep. rafting. Oh, yeah. Uh, these places, they offer the, the kayaking. Water rivers, the, yeah. yeah, everything, right? So, uh, speaking of uh, kayaks, uh, Scugog Kayak Club, just north of us in Port Perry, has recently formed, and they have made a kayak launch. One of the very first things they did. So there's four founding members with a common interest in paddling around Lake Scugog. Lake Scugog, I don't think, is all that big either. 
Um, used to go fishing there mm-hmm. for bass yep. and, and yep. stuff. Uh, they decided to form this Kugog Kayak Club just over a month ago, quickly garnering a roster of nearly 200 members who share a fondness for the same sport. Um, it says, all process that was... It was a process that was all about enjoying the lake. It was all about having fun with other people. It's social, uh, explains Evo Finodi, one of the four who helped get the club started. Club members share tips on kayaking, offer ideas on elsewhere to paddle, and can usually step in when individuals need a kayak buddy for safety reasons. Uh, it's a community thing. That's the purpose of it. and it's just It's just out to get out and enjoy it. Once the club was off the ground and into the water, the need for a kayak launcher quickly became apparent. A launcher attaches to the dock and is used to aid paddlers getting on and off the lake, increasing the accessibility of those looking to use Lake Scugog for kayaking. Because if you see half the people trying to get into a kayak in the water, it's like watching a dog hump a football. It just ain't pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Scugog Kayak Club quickly secured funding from Ron and Nancy Compton, who donated $5,000 for the purchase of the launchers. Large chunk of those funds, $3,500, has been used to purchase and install the township's first kayak launcher at the Government Pier near Palmer Park. Government Pier near Palmer Park. While the remainder of the proceeds have been transferred to the Scugog to uh, hold while money is raised for a second launcher. to be, So they need another $1,500 to get a second one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so this the launcher, and we've seen um, people using it already. It, you put your kayak in it, you get into your kayak, and then you pull yourself into the water. So you're not getting, you're not actually getting into your kayak in the water. Yeah. So it's it's more stable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So and I, I've seen videos of them doing it. It's uh, it's a very nifty rig. Anybody who's seen these kayak launchers, you you you. Uh, just place the kayak in it and there's slots for your paddle and uh, so you just kind of pull yourself along through this u-shaped trench and mm-hmm. it's you have a solid surface get in and out of your kayak and then you just pull yourself into the water it's it's fantastic so congrats to the Scugog kayak club for a becoming a club mm-hmm. and b getting getting this money to uh help people get people out there i think we'll have to go check it out yeah and if anybody wants to donate the remaining fifteen hundred bucks, they uh, they need our second. They need a second launcher, right? There we go. Uh, that seems all I've got this week. I've got nothing to add myself. Really? Why not? <laughs> well, did I talk about my Saguenay trip last previously? Are you still going or no? No, no, because there's forest fires. Well, the forest fires are gone. I I was checked online, and uh, and you go to the Saguenay Olac region, and they they have their web page talking about we are open for business. Please come visit us. And so, but it, we we'd already uncommitted from doing it, so we hadn't booked anything, right? Because the the fire started a month ago, and uh, so we uh, we just never got around to booking anything. So it's like, ah, we're going to do a staycation, maybe do a couple nights uh, at a local park, but uh, and I'm going to do yard work on my vacation. <laughs> I would probably call up the Saguenay Olac and say, uh, how busy are you guys? No, they're not busy. See? They're begging for people to show up. You might get a deal, dude. It'll be very quiet. They'll be very happy. We, do, we, we have nothing ready to do it, and it's like only a few days away. If you can't put together an entire, like, four-day, five-day yeah. trip like that. So it was going to be in the motorhome for one, and I've got a flat tire that I have to figure out. It's called patching it. I can't <laughs> patch it. Why not? I have to go get it pumped up so I could drive it to a shop, yada, yada, yada. How many tires are on your RV? Too many. Too many tires. Seven tires, including the spare. So just take the one with the the hole off. <laughs> it doesn't have a hole. It's the it's a fill spout. It's the the, the uh, last time I got brakes done, they screwed up all the little exten- the extension hoses on the dualies in the back. So just take that tire off. You don't have to worry about it. It's no longer flat. 
It's just not there. <laughs> That's how it works. It's got a right? backup tire back there. Oh, There's a dually. It's a dually. There you go. There's a spare right there. It's a, you only need one. But no, we're going to, you know what? We have lots of stuff to do and we're going to, we have the nice backyard. We can have a staycation and we're going to well, enjoy it. Well, if you're desperate to get away from the family. Yes. I've got stumps in my backyard that need digging. <laughs> <laughs> there's beer in the cooler. Yeah. There's a couple of nice, you know, there's some shade in the afternoon. Yeah. But yeah, make yourself busy. Enjoy some beers and some comfy. And there you go. I'll leave the dog here for you. <laughs> yeah, I can't see that happening. No? I've got my own stumps to pull. Dag nabbit. <laughs> can't say I didn't try. No, no, I, no. I, 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 I agree. Uh, yeah, we're... We were, Tracy was supposed to be on a trip and we found out it got canceled because I was going to drop her off. She's going to go do her trip and then I'm taking Athena up to do her, you know, get her on her canoe trip. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just see how she, well, she does on a canoe trip and yeah. that sort of stuff. And, oh, yeah. But Tracy's got canceled. So now we're sort of oh, switching gears. Yeah. We're still going to go up to Mogami Way, but. It's too bad they didn't have enough people because, well, if if I had known, I could have convinced Siobhan to go because uh, she's freshly um, unemployed this week. So uh, she has next week. I think they needed summer off. Yeah, I think they needed a few people though. Yeah, Yeah, they needed six. Yeah, so uh, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Uh, But no, it's, it's, uh, so yeah, we're going to go. And you know what? Like it's, it's, it'll be fun. Mm -hmm. Get get her out there and now Tracy can come along and help me paddle. Yeah. Two of us to look after the dog and there make sure go. she's Yeah, somebody keep track of her. She doesn't run off into the woods or oh, yeah. get eaten by a bear. I took her to Leash Free Area, which is a local conservation area just north of here. Uh, there's trails through the woods and everything. And I, I know there's deer and there's turkeys and everything else. And so, oh, there's a whole family with deers and a little fawn and everything up ahead. <laughs> All right, dog, you're on the leash because I know <laughs> she's going to go check them out. And she's never coming back. <clears throat> yeah. Never coming back. <laughs> uh, she almost swam. Well, I saw that she has a pool. Oh, we, yeah, we went and bought her a pool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was, we had this heat thing here and she was just in the house just dying. Yeah. So I stopped in nowhere near in Waldo Mart there, there it, nowhere near the pool supplies. Yeah. Way at the back of the garden supplies <laughs> is where they have their kiddie pools. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with you people? I'm not looking in the garden section. I'm looking in the pool section. You don't have any pool. Oh, they're out in the back, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Why? But with the pool stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I bought her a uh, little kiddie pool. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, she went ballistic in mm-hmm. this thing. See, when we're watering the gardens, you can't yeah. let her out. Oh, because she's oh, she in the hose. Oh, she's such a water dog. Yeah, she just wants to be in the hose and mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we filled the pool and she just went nuts. <laughs> Absolutely enjoyed it. So yeah, you'd be sitting there and you say, okay, we'll leave the pool open. We'll dump it out later. And then you'd let her out and you happen to look out and she's standing in the pool, playing with the ball, <laughs> yeah. chewing a stick, yeah. walking through the yard and all of a sudden runs over, jumps in the pool, jumps out. <laughs> all right, whatever. Yep. Never float your boat, dog. Yep. Float it down. Constantly wet. Yep. So <laughs> yeah, hopefully she, uh, well, I know she'll do well on the canoe trip. She'll mm-hmm. enjoy it and have a blast and. We'll just see how much we can keep her out Oh, it'd be so exciting for her, too. Yeah. See how well she does with the bugs. We got her a shirt. Oh, yeah? Yeah. If you, you know, you use the bug spray on yourself. Mm -hmm. But what they say, you take a shirt, like a dog, you get a a thin dog shirt. Mm -hmm. You spray the shirt with bug repellent. Yeah. And then you put it on the dog. So you're not actually spraying the dog, Mm -hmm. which is a lot better for the dog. Well, what worked... For Mike Burns, and he, he does this all his trips because uh, Willow doesn't like the bugs and the yep. horseflies. And she gets really good at catching horseflies, too. She snaps and grabs and eats the horseflies. Really, really cool to see. But he just has a uh, an old sheet, that he, bed sheet that he cut in half, mm-hmm. and uh, he just drapes it over the dog. You can just see your nose peeking out under it, and so the bugs can't get through the sheet because there's a, you know, a, like an inch of fur between the sheet and the skin. Yeah. So it's just, he just drapes the dog in the sheet and the dog, Willow just loves it. She just, you see this lump in the middle of the campsite with a gray sheet over her and she's happy, yeah. as, a, happy as a clam. Yeah. So we're going to try different things. Uh, get her a little thing for, to, to stand on mm-hmm. in the canoe. And, cause Do you have she, a thermosel? No. I've been thinking of getting one. Yeah. We were talking about this. I was looking at one the other day and it's like, eh. 
Mm. We got a bug screen and we got, you know, bug jackets. And I talked to a few yeah. people at work in the last week I mean, because this, I, I've talked to a lot of people about it and I, and I agree the bugs are so much worse this year mm-hmm. and it, they're worse everywhere. So, and um, a couple of people I work with, they swear by the thermosel. Well, yeah, I've heard the same thing, but eh, it's just another thing to carry. I know, I know. More I know. weight, yeah. more money. And it's bah, the size bah, of a bah. coffee cup, the new ones. They're the size of a coffee cup. Still. Yeah. <laughs> it's more weight. I know. More money. I know. I know. So, yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. If you buy one, let me know. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm planning on getting one. Why don't you buy one before next week? I plan on doing. Actually, I've been and then give at it to me because and I'll take it north and I'll let you know how well it does. <laughs> how well the, did it do? Well, it's in the bottom of the lake. The bugs are super bad in my backyard right now, so I can't really? even. Yeah, it's crazy. I think I've got bit twice all of last week in my backyard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're really bad in my backyard. Huh. Yeah, I was I was digging dirt and doing stuff, and it's like, what's going on? They just like you. Maybe they followed you home from uh, Algonquin. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, well that's all I got this week. That's all I got. And uh, yeah, we'll spend this weekend getting everything repacked because yeah. now I gotta combine my gear, Tracy's gear, and mm-hmm. dog gear. I gotta get her a bowl. Oh, a collapsible one. Colla- something? Yeah, I don't know what we did with our old ones. Yeah, yeah, she needs her own. Well, you have that. You know that orange collapsible coffee cup that you had. Yeah. So Mike Burns has one just like that, but it's bigger. It's a bowl size. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it's I just got to go buy them. Yeah, yeah. One for water, one for mm-hmm. for food. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a big lake there. But yeah, you don't need a water dish. Yeah, I'll probably get one anyway. Yeah, because you know, <laughs> if it's hot and she, you know, she was sitting in the site or whatever, we can just give her the yeah. Or if we bring the bug tent, she's in the bug tent. There's water right there. There she's you go. Not yeah. Having to lift her in and out. And yeah. Because she's big on that. Oh, door opens. I go out. Door closes. <laughs> I want, I back, want in. back in. Door opens. Yeah, I yeah. go in. Door yeah. closes. I want back out. Door opens. <laughs> I go out. This is awesome. I Why have... is Dad's face red and getting angry? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's four a.m. Dad. <laughs> I just need to go outside three more times. Right. I want to make sure the skunk isn't there and the rabbits are gone. Yeah. Awesome. All righty. Well, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download and stream all our episodes at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Or you can go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com, and you can stream or download all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends, family, and fellow paddlers. I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>